This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Alcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host, Kevin Knight, here to give you an update on a few things that we've been working on. So as you guys know, we do shows at on Wednesdays at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. We also do post-game shows following the games. Uh, you can also now uh, subscribe to the show on Patreon to get some exclusive benefits, including ad-free versions of these podcasts. And also, we have started our Discord server, which was a requested feature. So look for the link on YouTube or on our Twitter page if you'd like to go join the conversation on Discord. Without further ado, guys, enjoy the show. Thank you. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 129 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Kevin on Twitter, joined by a full house of guests this evening. First of all, we have with us... Evan Birchfield. He's on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. Very easy to remember. Evan, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm good. I, I just hope everyone had a great holiday and um, 2020 is almost over and we'll be into 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's for sure. Uh, also with us tonight, Eric Robinson. Eric, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, man. Black Monday is around the corner. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're going to have some exciting times, I think, so that'll be so interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, he's at underscore Eric underscore Robinson, by the way, on Twitter, guys. Don't want to don't wanna leave that the Twitter plug out. But, yeah, we're going to get into some stuff tonight, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the game for those that missed the post game. Um, you know, I took a look at the play, at some of Dirk Cutter's play calling. Miraculously, I only had to watch the first drive to find – a lot to nitpick so that was you know interesting but we're gonna get into the game a little bit uh get the takes from from some of us who weren't on the post game show we're going to get in to the most recent head coach and general manager rumors uh that's starting to heat up now with only one week left in the season and then we're also going to take your questions about the draft and free agency as the title is draft season is here uh we're definitely going to be getting into lots of draft takes and free agency takes and all that so before we jump in there guys if you don't mind throwing a like at the video uh, that helps other folks find the show on youtube and if you're not already subscribed hit that subscribe button help us out there uh check out the discord and the patreon all that good stuff and we appreciate all your support uh by the way so Let's jump right into this game. I know Adnan and I broke down the game in some detail uh, post-game. So I wanted to get 
your guys' thoughts. Evan, I'll let you get the first crack at this. Um, obviously, it was a close game. Uh, it was, you know, pretty exciting. You know, we, we saw Ku. Was it a miss? Was it a, a blocked kick? It seems like maybe there's more belief that it's a blocked kick now. Um, but what was your ta- general takeaway from the game? It was kind of a flipped script situation for this Falcons team. So, oh, I lost. I can't hear you, buddy. You mute it. I think he's muted. Yeah. Sorry about that. There you go. I'm trying yeah. to get in the habit of muting myself. No, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It takes some getting used to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what I was saying was, it was just a weird game in general. Um, going into it, nobody you know, was honestly thinking we even had a chance. I was expecting it to be like 40 to maybe seven by halftime. Um, the Chiefs offense largely like struggled uh, just because the Falcons defense looked so good. Um, holding them to 17 points, they've scored this whole season 22 or more points. Pretty much every game is like in the 30s, but I think somebody had them at 22. So the Falcons played them the toughest, apparently, that anybody's played them all season. Um, They didn't bench their starters like some people thought they would. Um, Mahomes had one interception, but he technically could have had, like, three. Yeah. Just across the board, their run defense – I mean, their run game, uh, obviously no uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but uh, Le'Veon Bell, seven carries for 30 yards, you know, and – Daryl Williams got in there with 10 carries for 46 yards. So they weren't overall successful on the ground. Um, Travis Kelsey is really damn Mm -hmm. good. Uh, I haven't watched a whole lot of Chiefs, obviously, this year. Um, But the times I have, that's been, you know, pretty much Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and then you'll get, like, Hardman or uh, Robinson who kind of factor in. Um, But – I, I don't know. It, it was weird because it's like you go in expecting the Falcons to not be competitive at all, and they really were. Um, if you ignored the records, it looked like two competitive teams playing each other. Um, Matt Ryan had a solid day after, you know, hearing probably everything all week. Um, Ito Smith was supposed to be the go-to guy, and he did get the most carries, but he only had three more carries of Brian Hill, and I thought he was running pretty well, mm-hmm. um, at least up into the first half. Um, and you, you know, I mean, across the board, the Falcon, like Calvin Ridley having five receptions for 130 yards. I thought mm-hmm. he looked really good when they actually used him. Um, Hayden Hurst, who in some games gets one catch, had five catches and a touchdown. Um, and then, you know, we got to see a little Chris Rowland, um, kind of subbing in back there in the return game for Brandon Powell, who was on the practice re- or the injury report, not practicing today. So we might get another crack at seeing him next week because he kind of looked uh i think one of them bounced uh probably within the five or whatever yeah, that he yeah. probably should have fair caught um and that's okay that's his first game i love seeing uh roland you know finally getting some action um matt hennessy on at center um for the first time i know we've seen him at left guard but at his like true p- position it was a tough opponent and i think that's important um that the falcons haven't done in recent years where at least they're getting some of these younger guys out there to see if they're going to be relevant to the roster going forward. Um, Because, you know, in past years, they would just play all the starters because they're trying to win their job. Kudos to Morris, who's at least letting some of these young guys, and and you could blame injuries too, but (laughs) letting some of these young guys get some actual action. um, And, you know, it sounds like Alex Mack might be good for next week. So 
that could be his final game. Um, you know, stuff like that. But I love seeing uh, Gono out there. Um, but we'll see. Uh, it, it was a loss in the end. You know, the Young Way Koo thing. Um, you can blame it as being a block block kick or he just missed the kick. Um, but protected it really doesn't matter because it benefits yeah. us. What? He protected the tank. He's a true legend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the <laughs> end, when we're drafting at third, um, we're not going to care that he missed the kick. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it would be cool although, for him to have. Yeah. You do want to see him get those kind of kicks made. Yes. Um, as great as a season he's had, what makes the great kickers from, you know, interviewing like Morton Anderson the thing he kept stressing, and I know you did interviews with him too, and you're, you can probably relate to this, but he's big on, you know, every kicker's got a leg, got two legs really. Um, <laughs> but it's what makes the great ones from the good kickers who will have a couple years um, is what's between the ears. That's what he always says, you know, how, how they are in those pressure situations. When you're kicking with your team down by 14 and there's really no chance of winning, um, it's a little easier, but when the game's on the line against the defending Super Bowl champions and you could go, you know, into overtime to potentially beat them, even though they probably wouldn't, but that's here nor there to give your team a chance to do that. And then you miss, um, especially on, I think it was like a 39 yard field goal. So it wasn't like a 54 or something. Um, you want to see your kicker make those, uh, and, and he's young and I like how the team's kind of not attacked him, um, obviously, but you know, Raheem Morris basically told him he loved him. And, you know, that's what you want from a young kicker uh, who you want to turn into your franchise kicker for the next, hopefully, decade. Um, you don't want him to get in these situations. And then going forward, I mean, get in these situations where he's panicking or he's thinking back to, oh, sh- you know, shit, I hope I don't miss again. You know, you want him to feel calm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's pretty much my thoughts. I know I'm just rambling at this point, <laughs> but. Okay. Um, it's already Wednesday somehow, so it seems like a long time ago. Yeah, it does kind of. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Uh, I, I I agree with what you said. I, I liked the performance of Hennessy quite a bit more than Gono. I mean, Gono, both of them had tough matchups. You know, Derek Nottie's no joke, and Chris Jones in there. I think Jones generally was going up against Lindstrom, but Gono really did not seem very comfortable on the inside. And that makes a lot of sense when you when you know that he basically practices at tackle. Like, he, he does not play guard a lot in practice. He did this week knowing that Carpenter was going to be out. But uh, I do appreciate that they gave him the shot there. And I don't I don't think we should really say, like, oh, he can't play guard because of this one bad game. But um, I thought Hennessy was fine. Um, I think we saw, you know, some very positive plays from him in his first start. Um, he'll get better too. You know, there's a lot of stuff that it's just muscle memory stuff and, and learning to lead a line. Like that was his first start. And we know chemistry is really important. If Keenan was here and shout out to Keenan, I know he's, he wanted to be here tonight, had something come up, but, um, he would really talk about how that chemistry and that continuity on the offensive line is important. And Hennessy just hasn't had the chance to build that yet. So I think going forward, we don't really have to worry too much about the center spot if Alex Mack is going to retire, if he doesn't come back in free agency. Um, so I was really impressed with those guys in particular. Uh, Dirk Cutter's play calling was awful. I mean, 14 points from the offense is completely unacceptable. The Chiefs are a solid defense, certainly, but they're not a defense you should be scoring 14 against. I mean, we've seen them in, in a lot of close games 
that we wouldn't expect them to be in. But if you're holding them to 17 points, which I think Evan mentioned is the the lowest total of their season, you should be scoring more than 20 points. So like you, this is that's inexcusable for an offense with this much talent. Um, so it, it it annoyed me for sure. Uh, Eric, did you have any any further takes about this game? Um. So. You know, this this was definitely one of those games um, where, yeah, the odds were definitely against them. Um, and if you go back the past several seasons, like go back maybe like 2013, 2014, the Falcons seem to play a, a game of this caliber literally every year. Yeah, it's 49ers last year, right? 49ers last year. Go back to 2015 when they, uh, they upset the Panthers to stop their undefeated season um even 2014 they had a late season win against the cardinals now i think that cardinals team was like nine and three or something like that getting ready to head into the playoffs um so they they for some reason they do this i don't know why but they do this this is their thing um it was a winnable game and it's easy to look at it and say oh the chiefs played down to their competition well in each of the Chiefs' past seven games, they've all been decided by six points or less. Yeah. So this was not a case where, to me, this was not a case where the Chiefs approached this like, hey, it's the Falcons. You know, let's, we're, we're looking towards the playoffs already. We got things locked up. No, I think the Falcons actually took it. To yeah. Um, I stress this a lot. Even and and this doesn't it doesn't matter what sport, but when you're playing a team that's as elite as the Chiefs are, and you're you know you, the odds are against you, and you have to pull off the upset. There are certain things you need. Certain things you need are you know you need a little luck on your side. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. And you need to have golden opportunities come your way that you are able to capitalize. The Falcons had those golden opportunities but they did not capitalize on it. Yeah. Uh, three things that come to mind. The foyer pick mm-hmm. that got him to midfield. Um, I think at that point it was still tied at seven. Yeah. He had an opportunity to, you know, put another score on the board. They had a short field relatively. They stopped the, a deep offensive drive by the Chiefs, and they ended up getting a three and out and punt. Yep. Um, the Brandon Powell fumble. That was right at the twenty-yard line. Yeah, they were right on the in the red zone, driving again. Even a, a field goal in that manner would have helped. Oh you yeah, know, field, yeah. field goals on both of those drives would have won the game. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, and then of course the AJ Terrell uh, dropped interception. Um, I, you know, you, you and I, Kevin, we've been pretty. We've been driving the AJ Terrell bandwagon. Yeah, since the yeah. Day. And. You know, we're, we're going to continue to do so. We think he's going to be a very elite corner, all-pro corner. Um, but you have plays like that, man. And I know it was a tough catch. <laughs> yeah. It was, you got to catch it. it. Yeah, you got to catch it. Yeah, and he dropped. He hit the ground, man. Oh, that was just rough. There's no, like, oh, man, he only got one. No, no he, called he got it. that. Yeah. Oh, it's just rough. I feel so bad for him. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for him, too. Yeah. Um, I would understand if it was if it was a high throw and he got one hand on it maybe, but no, he caught it. That was an interception until he hit the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but you got to make plays like that. And I don't care if you're a rookie or a ten year vet; those mm-hmm. plays don't come often. How often yep. do you see teams 
have an opportunity to pick off Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't see that very often, so you don't see that often. So yeah. you gotta you gotta capitalize on that. But you know, um, I I'm not one of moral victories, but this was a game where the Falcons kind of showed me something a little bit. Um, yeah, they were shorthanded, and they took it to the Chiefs, man. They really did. Um, hats off to Matt Ryan. That guy's that guy's awesome. <laughs> There's still people blaming Matt Ryan for this loss, and like I don't, like I don't know what more you want from your quarterback. Like if if you have a quarterback that puts up a stat line like Ryan did in this game and has like a, what a 120 passer rating or something, like you win games like 85 percent of the time your quarterback has a, a, like a, a rating like that. Like there's there's no there's none of this. Oh, it was garbage time. Oh no, this this game was one score the entire game. So get out of here with that nonsense. Like I 300 yards, two touchdowns. No turnovers. Yeah, it. He led them on a seventy-five yard drive to to take the lead with five minutes left. Yeah, that it's was just, him. It's it's Cutter, man. I just pit. as a matter on that yeah. on that drive, he he threw for sixty-one yards on yeah. that scoring. So that was him. Yeah, and then he drove them fifty-five yards to put him in field goal position to tie the game up. And he's still getting the blame. I don't. don't (laughs) Yeah, like if Koo makes that kick and it goes to overtime, like is he still getting the blame? Like I I just don't. Like if you don't like Matt Ryan, fine. If you want the Falcons to take a quarterback, also fine. But you don't have to. You don't have to say Matt Ryan's washed. Like I know there's some big argument going on in the chat about whether Ryan's washed or not. Like Ryan doesn't even need to be washed to to want to take a quarterback. Like it's not necessary. Like you don't have to say Ryan's bad or Ryan's this or that. Like. You might just say, like, the Falcons should take a quarterback because they're probably going to be picking in the top five, and it just makes sense to take a quarterback if a good one's there. But It just sounds so illogical for someone to sit here and say, you look at the past two games. He's been excellent the past two games. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's still used against him. Now, look, we came on the show after the Chargers game, and we all were oh, yeah. like, dude, Matt cost him the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, also, we literally talked about, like, Ryan has to play better these final games or they're going to take a quarterback for sure and he's going to be out of here soon because and it, he fair or not. Good. Yeah, and of course, like Ryan always does, he plays fine the rest. Like, he does, he has down games like every quarterback. But, like, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have, didn't have a good game against the Falcons. You don't see anybody saying Patrick Mahomes is a bum. No. <laughs> um, But, yeah, that's that's really all, all my takes on that game. Um. Mm. They 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 brought it to them and they needed to, they needed to, to punch the Chiefs in the mouth, man. Because it that I mean I, I'll be honest, man. I thought it was going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, me too. We all did. So from the moment from the moment I saw Patrick Mahomes walk into the stadium with like some ski goggles on. <laughs> yeah, those were like some Oakley big ass sunglasses or something. Oh boy. Yeah, They're I was like, oh good. shit, yeah. <laughs> He's seeing right through the Falcons' defense with those things on, man, I tell you. <laughs> Take the field with those on and throw for five touchdowns. Yeah, he just doesn't even wear a helmet. Just wears the ski goggles. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. They took it to him, man. And, but that was, a, that was definitely a winnable game. But yeah. One, I, I want to ask both of you guys this. Even in a loss, was that the kind of game that can really give Raheem Morris this head coaching job? No. I don't think he's in... I really don't think he's in contention for the head coaching job. I do think he's in contention for the defensive coordinator spot, particularly if the new coach doesn't have someone he really loves. I, And I think he is a, a candidate for other teams, honestly. But I, I don't think... 
I think the Falcons know they can get a top candidate, and I look the fan base is gonna riot if they keep Morris. And like you shouldn't make all your decisions based on your fan base, obviously, but there is a business side to this, and the business side would be raising all the flags, saying like if you make Morris the head coach, he better be putting this team in the playoffs next year, or we're gonna have no fans in the stands. Like. If they make that move, the pressure on Morris would be so ridiculously high because it would, I mean, it, you, there's a laundry list of things people are going to write. Like, the Falcons really aren't changing anything. They're still the same team. Like, the second they blow a lead next year, like, people are calling, are calling for his head. Like, I don't think they want to invite that sort of, I think they, they want the fresh start. Like, you get a lot of good PR for that. And, like, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, too, to go for an offensive head coach. I don't think... Morris is a bad coach. I, I think he deserves to probably be a head coach somewhere, or at least the defensive coordinator here. Um, but uh, is he really in contention here? I, I don't think so, if I'm being totally honest. I believe he is. But, Evan, your, your thoughts on that. Do you, knowing, knowing the owner, knowing the, you know, what you've seen in the past, you know, we saw it last year, they went 1-7, and, and essentially the win over the Saints, you can look back and say the win over the Saints, probably saved Dan Quinn's job. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel the same way about this game for Raheem Morris? Even though they lost, but yeah. what game that says, you know what, that sparked off the blank to say, hey, Raheem can turn this around if given time. I mean, there's really no way without, you know, seeing what Blaine's thoughts are, and he hasn't really shared anything lately, which is surprising since he's he talked a lot last year. Um, even yeah. early in the season. Mm-hmm. But I think if they won, I would say he was definitely one of the top three they would probably consider right now. I think he's still going to ha- have a fair shot at this just because of how tough they played him. Um, is he the favorite? No. Like, he would have had to pretty much win out to be the favorite. Yeah. But I don't think it's insane to think he's in that mixture of if you have five coaches, he's one of them. Yeah, um, yeah. Just because of the familiar, familiarity with the players. Right. Um, Blank obviously knows him. McKay obviously knows him. Um, how the GM situation would, you know, turn out with them keeping him on, I have no idea. It'd have to be a GM who's comfortable with him or knows him. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that at all hurt his chances. It don't, only improved it. He, he's not going to get any of the blame for the coup miss. Um, he certainly isn't going to get blamed for the loss in general because they shouldn't have been in that game. Under Dan Quinn, that, that game would have been probably like 40-7, to 7, like I said earlier. Um, the defense has looked much improved. I think it would be crazy not to acknowledge that um, from the first five games. Um, you know, I think the only real criticism is if he's got the power to make – some changes like he did special teams um, keeping Dirk Cutter on. Obviously, it would have made a huge change, but at least acknowledging that the offense has some problems. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd say he's definitely right now, whatever four coaches they have in mind, he's got to be one of the, the fifth one. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, think, I think a lot of people are looking at his candidacy as this a minority – higher thing, you know, the Rooney rule, just meeting that quota for the Rooney rule. I think it goes beyond that. Yeah, yeah. I think he is legitimately a 
candidate, even how the season has played out, I, I think he's still got a shot. Yeah, I, yeah. Not saying he's going to get it. But right, I, I right, yeah. Yeah, I, I do want to clarify because I feel like maybe people, I, it wasn't clear. Like, I, I don't think he's like a joke candidate. Like, I, I feel like they're giving him an interview out of respect and that it's a real interview. Like, they're not just, it's not just a formality. It's not just because he's the interim coach. Like, I think the blank allegedly loves Raheem Morris. Um, if, yeah. if Morris was winning, he'd be the next head coach. I have no doubt. Um, yeah. He hasn't been winning. So I think it's going to be really, really difficult for him to get the job. I, I don't think he should be considered the favorite in any way. I do think he's a serious candidate, though. I guess I, I want to make sure I made that clear. I don't... Yeah. He, he hasn't won, but I think Arthur Blank sees some things here and there that shows, like, okay, given given a full offseason, given an NFL season without COVID, possibly, given, you know, some changes to the roster here and there, that Raheem can turn it around. I'm not saying he can. I, I don't... I, I love Raheem Morris, but I like him more as a DC in this conversation compared. To, I don't. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, me too. I I think it's worth mentioning though that there's been talk about him being a head coach elsewhere. So it's not just the Falcons who think who possibly think, oh, we could actually hire this guy full time. Like there's other teams that are at least considering him. Yeah, yeah. Like he's not a joke. No, he's not. I think I think he has a much better chance to end up head coach somewhere else um but i think if he doesn't get the job that he wants i think he has i would say he's the maybe the favorite to be the falcons defensive coordinator in 2021 um but yeah i i don't think i i think blank understands and i hope someone's pounding the table for offense being the head coaching hire because we know from analytics that offense is much more stable year to year and if you're losing like we've seen what happens with matt ryan with this offensive coordinator carousel if they're bad you have to find a new one if they're good they get they get poached so you just have to find a way to to keep a consistent offense going and that's something that can that carries over year to year that's something that gives your team consistency defense does not like look at san francisco this year sure sure they had they had injuries but I mean, they also let one of their best players leave via trade, which was dumb because they were like, oh, we don't need him. Okay, yeah, just let one of your... So they made some mistakes, obviously, but analytics tell us and statistics tell us that defense is not likely to be good year to year. I mean, the Patriots and the 49ers were great last year. Neither one's good this year. And you could point to injuries and you could point to opt-outs and whatever, but this this is not something that's restricted to this year. It happens every single year. Um and welcome also to the show, Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way on Twitter. Adnan, did you ever want to weigh in on Raheem Morris's uh, candidacy for head coach here? Oh, we're coming in hot, huh? Yeah, we're coming in hot. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, right from this, no easing me into anything. No, no nope. like softballs, nothing. Nope. It's just like... You're on the clock, Adnan. <laughs> on the clock immediately. Um, uh, I'm on record. I don't want a single member of this coaching staff to be back next year in any capacity with this team. Next question. All right, that's that's hot. I like it. It's it's, it's short and to the point. Yeah, I mean, I certainly understand that aspect of it. I like it. It's it's mind boggling to me that we have a total defensive collapse against the Buccaneers, and then a total shutdown performance against the Kansas City Chiefs, which is like a four quarter, you know, great performance by the defense. Um, and in some capacity. Like, against the Bucks, some of it can certainly be blamed on injuries, right? Like, the Falcons were down to Tyler Hall at corner, and 
had to go up against Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, you know, it, it, Antonio Brown. Yeah. Like it. So when they lost two starters in that game, okay. Like it's probably going to make things really difficult, but, um, you know, I think we should put it into context that this is, this is a defense that's lacking talent, particularly at pass rush. And, you know, in the secondary, it's kind of a real mixed bag. Um, so I think what Raheem Morris has been able to do since taking over is impressive and deserves some props. But I also don't disagree at all with just wanting a clean slate, which is kind of where I'm at as well. I mean, I, I, I'd be okay with Raheem Morris as a defensive coordinator under a new coach, like a new overall leadership structure. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they just want a clean house too, honestly. So that makes uh, sense. It has to be on the condition that the new head coach wants him as his defensive coordinator. Uh, you cannot force that onto a new head coach. Be like, all right, you can be the coach, but this has to be your DC. It's what the 49ers tried in 2015 with, uh, I, I forget who they were interviewing, but they uh, told him that Jim Tom Sula had to be the defensive coordinator and no like coach and no legit coaching candidate in his right mind will let like the owner or like Rich McKay dictate who's going to be his assistant. So uh, that has to be like the condition for it. But and I'm pretty sure a lot of these uh head coaching candidates like uh, Brian Dobble, Eric Bieniemy, like they probably have their own guy in mind uh, to plug as DC. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense to me too. Um, it really just depends, right? Because I feel like if they don't have a strong preference for DC, they might just want to keep someone around who like is familiar with the team. Um, but if they do, then it's probably going to be a tough sell for for morris and the rest of the staff but i do think morris is going to at least be a defensive coordinator somewhere else in 2021 like i don't think he's going to have to really be wanting for a job um and i think he'll have i think it's likely he'll have head coaching offers um so we'll see like everyone's saying like oh the jags are the best opening because they're going to get trevor lawrence and all this um but you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. If that's the kind of thing you're going for, if you're going for a big rebuild, but like the Jets, I feel like the Jets have the stink on them. I don't think anyone really wants to go to that franchise, um, particularly now that they're not guaranteed to have Trevor Lawrence. Um, so like Raheem Morris to the Jets, I don't think that's the wildest, wildest thing. Um, you know, Chargers maybe if they part ways with Anthony Lynn, which they should. But uh, you know, I think there's a lot of jobs that he could be in line for. Just don't think he's the favorite here. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think it could be, you could do a lot worse than tying yourself to Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Um, those are, I think those are both pretty, pretty good openings out there. All right. So this has a great, been a great segue into our head coach and GM talk. Um, so let's pivot into the most recent rumor, um, which was that Terry, Terry Fontenot, uh, is, you know, a, a top choice for the Falcons, one of the guys they're really looking at. And that Fontenot, uh, actually, I don't know if it's Fontenot or, or Fontenoy or, or what is it, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's French, New Orleans and all that, but. Um. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. 
and I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito But he wants Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers offensive coordinator that doesn't call the plays and that ran an extremely run-heavy old-school offense in Jacksonville for several years, um, to be his head coach. Uh, so let's, let's, you know, break it down. First of all, do you like Terry? Do you, do you and would you take him if he wanted if he had to have Nathaniel Hackett? So, uh, Evan, I'll let you get the first crack at this one. What's your what's your thought on that pairing? Um, I don't know much about him aside from him being like with the Saints for I think sixteen or seventeen years, and for that um, I have eliminated him from consideration in my mind. Um, I don't want anybody Saints related. Mm-hmm. I know it's stupid and it doesn't equal like success or anything but he's been there way too long to have that kind of like hatred for that team even if it's like something you learn over time um he's just been there for way too long and this is our biggest rival i don't know i I don't see them really taking our guys like that so i don't want to do it to theirs (laughs) right yeah that makes sense uh eric you got you got takes on that fontanon uh hackett pairing um so, Bonno, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with Evan here. You know, he's, <laughs> as far as experience goes, he has experience, not as a GM, but he has experience as like a you know, director. Of I think he's, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and he, he's, always, he's been in that position or in, or in a sense for an office for nearly two decades. So, that's, that's considerable. Um, that's considerable experience there. My biggest concern is Hackett. Yeah. Um, I don't know where the love for Nathaniel Hackett came from, but it literally came from nowhere. I don't understand it. Um, you yeah. can you can go and look at his history as an OC. I'm looking at it right now. He had that one year with Blake Bortles in 2017. His, that was it. Spot. Yeah, but yeah. the next year, they were ranked 27th in offense. They were 18th in offense in Green Bay his first year with the Packers. His two seasons in Buffalo, 2013 and 2014, they were 19th and 26th overall. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not getting it. Yeah. No. I, 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 hope, I hope people are not looking at what we're seeing from Aaron Rodgers and saying, man, Nathaniel Hackett is really, you know, putting some things together in Green Bay. That is purely Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> it, that, that's what Peyton Manning Peyton Manning gave out of Gator's <laughs> career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is purely Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers would have been doing that for if regardless if a, if a dog was calling plays, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> would still be the lead MVP candidate right now. You know yeah. why? Because Aaron Rodgers changes plays unlike Matt Ryan. <laughs> that bum. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers was an MVP with Mike McCarthy. Enough said. 
Aaron Rodgers <laughs> also got a little upset this offseason because they drafted a quarterback who's probably going to be his heir apparent. Yep. So it kind of, you know, just saying, hint, hint, might see an MVP year for Matt Ryan next year. Just saying. Maybe, uh, you know. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see the love for, ha- for Hackett. No, really not at all. It, yeah. and, and brought, it, this smells like Adam Gase all over again. Yeah, no, I, I don't understand that literally at all. Like, Hackett is a bizarre candidate. I don't think he has any qualifications for the job. I He doesn't call plays for Green Bay. Like, I think it's just like a buddy-buddy thing with him and, and Fontenot. Like, uh, other than, like, if, if, Font, if Fontenot didn't want him, I don't think he would be a serious candidate for the Falcons. I don't know why you would be calling him. Like, what has he done to deserve the job? He runs a really run, like... His scheme, which we saw in Jacksonville, is like a super run-heavy and then play-action-off-the-run type of scheme, which is a dinosaur. Like, it, it wasn't... It was good in 2017 when that defense was elite and got, what, an absurd number of turnovers for the offense. Um, and it was crap the next year. So, and it, it's been crap every year since. So, like, it, it, I don't think going to... An, like, this would be like hiring Mike Malarkey to... to be the new Falcons head coach like going to like an old school scheme when everyone's been screaming for a a a new school coach um so I I personally think if Fontenot says I want Nathaniel Hackett you say okay we don't want you as GM (laughs) because that to me shows a big lapse in judgment yeah I don't I don't don't see the love there I don't get it I don't get it at all yeah just smoke and nothing else yeah what about the- I was trying to see where the connection came from because he's been with the uh, Fontenant's been with the Saints for 16 years. Um, in 2012, he was selected by the club by I guess the Saints. He he attended Stanford Business School, and I see that um, Hackett was with Stanford from 2004 to 2005. But that's really the only con- connection that those two have because they haven't crossed paths so he wasn't on the saints at all or anything it's weird. so i don't really get the like this is my guy like it would make sense if he was on the saints but i don't know yeah i honestly don't know i think that's a weird one i mean where the rumor comes from gives me some pause like i don't take it super duper seriously if i'm being honest um so that's part of it too but Adnan, did you have any opinions about that pair um yeah, uh, not only has Fontenot been with the Saints for like 17, 18 years, he's also a Louisiana native. He went to Tulane. So he's like a lifer. New Orleans probably grew up a Saints fan. Um, so immediately, like, I, I know it sounds dumb. Oh, yeah, like, you know, he's part of the Saints. So, you know, we don't want him. But he's part of the Saints. So we don't want him because, you know, like Evan said, like, you can't develop that hatred for them that, you know, that you need to be in this role with the Atlanta Falcons if you've been around them, if you've, like, grown up as a fan for the Saints. And then when you uh, pair him with Nathaniel Hackett, then pardon my language, but fuck that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, no no, interest at all. Um, I, I don't want Fontenot, period. And now you're trying to, like, tie him in with another, like, uh, archaic play caller as if we haven't seen enough of Dirk Cutter the past like couple right. years imagine going for uh, going from this like idea of this very fresh innovative offense to now going back into oh yeah like dinosaur run <laughs> like malarkey style exotic smash math bro it, it's like yeah, I would be infuriated with yeah. the pairing um so 
absolutely not. Yep, hard agree, hard agree there. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I don't I don't get that one at all. Like I think there's legitimate interest in Fontenot, but if he wants Hackett, then I think that's reason enough not to hire him. So it's just my opinion and and everyone else's opinion here. So I see where one one thread of the web may actually be tangled here, may actually be um, in place here a little bit. I see that Fontenot was a part of the organization, part of Saints organization around the same time that Doug Marone was offensive coordinator there. Ah. So Marone coached alongside or coached with Hackett yeah. the last year in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That may be where I mean, I guess that may be somewhat like a reference type point. Like, hey, what do you think about this guy? All right, you know, I, I think this guy here has what it takes to be a head coach. Right. So that's that may, where Fontenot may have went to Marone and said, yeah. hey, what do you think about this guy? Or who who would you consider for a position, for a head coach position? He might have thrown his name there. Right. Just just trying. Just trying to. Yeah, and, like, it's, it's possible that Fontenot or uh, Hackett – didn't really want to run that run-heavy scheme, and he got to Jacksonville, and they're like, this is what we're running. If you want to be OC, you're going to run some form of this, like Cutter was supposed to do here. Like, we're running West Coast, figure it out. And maybe he had to kind of make it work, and maybe he actually has his own system that he wants to run, but he doesn't call the plays in Green Bay either. Green Bay clearly doesn't run this old-school, you know, run-heavy scheme there, and they made him the OC, even though he doesn't call plays. So, like, it's possible, this stuff, but, like, there's no way for us to know that. So we can only go off of what we know. The conspiracy theorist in me is saying, how do we not know the Saints are not trying to infiltrate the Falcons? <laughs> it's the long by game. By sending a guy who has almost 20 years of experience with the team so he can be a general manager at the Falcons. How do we know they're not planning something like that? Yeah. Okay. It's, it sounds ridiculous, but if they were, this is the ideal person. It's the like, same. This is the ideal person, someone who... who has those deep, deep-rooted Saints connections, born and raised in Louisiana. And I know we have the, the tinfoil hat on right now. Uh, someone who's like the assistant GM. You know, as soon as uh, he ruins the franchise uh, and, you know, trades the Saints, like, you know, all of our good stuff, he like he's going to, like, get an assistant GM spot right back with New Orleans. I think he also went to Tulane as well, did yeah, he? Yeah, he did. He went he to Tulane. New Orleans guy through and through. Oh, so, yeah. again... He was tin born foil. and raised in Louisiana. The tinfoil <laughs> tin hat is on, man. Yeah. I don't know. It smells fishy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, a little too convenient, you know. Yeah, I would be furious. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, this New Orleans guy wants the Falcons GM position. Mm. In fairness, I'm sure he wants any GM position. Yeah, but probably. Still, yeah. still, that's throwing cold water. Any other? I haven't heard his name for, for Houston or for New York. I haven't heard his name for anybody. No, it seems like the Falcons are the I didn't even interest. know he existed until yeah. Yeah, I didn't he either. was tied to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I feel like we're the only franchise dumb enough to be entertaining these guys. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, guys, uh, we're going to continue getting into some of these head coaching candidates and then get to some draft stuff here soon, too. I uh, just want to remind folks, if you don't mind, to uh, throw a like at the video. If you're enjoying the show, we appreciate those. It helps other folks find the show on the YouTubes. And if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Uh, that helps us out a lot as well, and we appreciate that. Um, if you got pressing questions, you just can't manage to, to get go without, uh, you're welcome to donate to the show. We will read any question from your donations. Uh, the link to do that, if you type exclamation point tip in the chat, you get the link to that. It's also in the show description. I know we have a 
a late donation from last week we're going to read from the practical broker uh came in just a little bit after the show ended so we'll read that once we get to the draft section uh but you know anyone who's interested feel free uh we will uh get to those and we appreciate your support so all right so the other big rumor out there uh was from Aaron Wilson, uh, who is a big-time plugged-in Houston Texans reporter. Uh, and it was on a podcast, and basically Wilson said that uh, he would put put money on, quote-unquote, Rick Smith being the next GM of the Atlanta Falcons. And Wilson has this? a... What's that? Who said this? Uh, Aaron Wilson, uh, the uh, Houston... I think it's the Houston Chronicle beat writer. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie for a second. Uh, I confused him with Aaron Freeman. Oh yeah, like, no, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, he's Aaron connected. Start yeah. breaking news like no, that. No. It's, it's uh, a yeah. money on Smith being the Falcons GM. Yeah, yeah, and he has a long-term relationship with Smith. In. Yeah, he's he's known Smith for like over a decade, and I assume they talk. Um, so, I I think to me that signals that Smith wants the job. So it's really maybe up to the Falcons at that point. Um, but. I know the Falcons have shown a lot of interest in Smith. So, what do you guys think about that potential uh, hire of, of the general manager with Rick Smith? I, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, of course, everyone knows my top choice is Lewis Riddick. But if they don't want, if, if Riddick is not in the conversation, then I think Smith would be the next best best option. I mean, I, I there's really, you know, his his tenure in Houston didn't really end on a sour note. I mean, we all know why he had to step away from the organization. It was a respectable de- decision. Yeah. Um. And he, you know, he he spent some time away from the game, and he, you know, he had time to to get himself together as a as a man, mm-hmm. not just the GM, but as a man, as a, as a person. Um. So so yeah, I, I don't. I look I look at see what he did in Houston, and I don't blame him much, if any, for you know that Texans organization kind of coming up short yeah. the past few years, given the amount of talent that they had, I, I think he'd be a solid source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got them Watt and Deshaun Watson, among others. So. Watt, Watson, um, he, then he, I he got him. Uh, Probably Hopkins too, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He got him Hopkins. <clears throat> Arian Foster as a UDFA, A.J. Bouye as a UDFA. Yeah. Uh, Will Fuller, who was going off before the PEDs this year. Um, <laughs> Brian Cushing. Did, get a, did he draft Andre Johnson as well? No, no. Andre that Johnson was before, was before that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like Rick Smith a lot, too. Um, I think, like, I, I really like Lewis Rick as well. We haven't heard quite as much smoke about – I mean, I think we've heard the Falcons are going to interview him. But um, I do uh, think – One more big move he traded for Matt Schaub. Uh, who is that franchise's all-time leader in uh, passing yards? So you know, m- maybe when he comes, maybe we'll finally come to our senses and, and start Matt Schaub. Uh, <laughs> Isn't, there's there's been rumors that Matt Schaub is going to retire <laughs> soon, so uh, we'll see about that. But that's that's the true Galaxy Break play for this team is to get Matt Schaub out there for the, you know, who needs Matt Ryan when you've got Matt Matt Schaub? Okay, the better Matt, you know, <laughs> the better Matt. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like Rick Smith a lot. He's probably my second choice right now behind Riddick. Um, he has a lot of experience. I think he's the ideal guy to pair with a first-time head coach. Like if they do go for Enemy or Arthur Smith or Joe Brady or someone like that, um, first-time NFL head coach. I think they would benefit a lot from having that really experienced general manager there to kind of help them navigate their first season as, as a head coach. Um, I think 
pairing experience with with you know kind of new blood um, is really smart. So I, I I do like the double Smith pairing. You know the Rick Smith Arthur Smith. Honestly, if I had to put money on a pairing, that right now would be who I would put money on is those two. I didn't know this. He was also he also has some coaching experience. Rick Smith, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. He, yeah. uh, he was assistant defensive back coach for the Broncos in the late nineties when he won. Oh the Super Bowl. wow! Okay. Versatile. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I mean, you don't see that often from GMs. Yeah. Yeah. Coaching have a coaching pedigree as well. He he actually spent seven years, no eight years. I'm sorry, as a as a coach at the collegiate and NFL level. Before. Okay. Yeah. So he's got both sides experience. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anybody yeah. else have Rick Smith? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm absolutely with you, Kevin. Like he would be, you want an experienced GM like that to go along with a first-year head coach, which is what I hope the Falcons will be having next year in the form of either Arthur Smith or Eric Bieniemy. And you know what, the Brian Dobble hype train is like is just going off in my head right now. Like I'm like this close to making double my like number one preferred. <laughs> He's been like, good, off- man. These last few games. Yeah. Like that Buffalo offense is magnificent. He's killing. And, yeah. and like, you know, like that's, that's all him. Like, like Sean McDermott is not, he's like giving him the offense. He's stepping away and he's saying, do your thing. Yeah. Do your like, stuff. They are, they are like incredible right now. Like oh, Buffalo, yeah. Yeah. The AFC Championship, which I think is going to be between Buffalo and KC, is going to be magnificent. Yeah, that's going to be a great game for sure. To see, them, to see what they're doing without a consistent run game mm-hmm. is it makes it even more impressive. Yeah, the fact that they, they don't even have the run game going the way that they that they would probably you know ideally want. But yeah, Dayball man, he's yeah. If he's not a coach for if he's not coaching he should about, be. he's going to be a head coach. Yeah, next yeah, season. yeah. I would not be surprised at all if he's a top candidate for Atlanta. Like I, I, I think the Falcons are going to bring in Bienemy. Obviously, that's already been reported. I think there's a lot of smoke around Arthur Smith, so I think he's going to get an interview. Um, and it, it, Dayball should absolutely be one of the guys. Um, Raheem Morris is the fourth guy, and then I don't know if they're going to go after like Robert Sala or Joe Brady. Um, maybe both. I don't know. But you guys, are you guys surprised at this point that they haven't had? any other head coaching interviews or anything at this point i mean i'm not i'm not talking i think it's i think it's a sign of course yeah that they're waiting for these guys seasons to be over so they can interview but yeah yeah what about the former nfl head coaches who are unemployed right they haven't they haven't really brought anybody in in that aspect as well yeah i mean i i do think and like we haven't heard a lot but i, I do think this team has a candidate in mind that they want to hire um, I don't think this team necessarily makes it super obvious who they're going to hire or who they're going to talk to beforehand. They're kind of secretive about it. They've been pretty open about the GM stuff, which I found a little bit, a little bit different, but they're probably like, it makes sense to me. Like if they know that Rick Smith wants to be here, like they could have hired him already, which is kind of interesting Like they haven't, but they're, you know, they're, they're waiting for guys to be able to, to interview after the season. But, um, yeah, I, I am a little bit surprised that we haven't heard more rumors, but again, it is a little bit, you know, it. it's before the end of the season. A lot of the guys they want to interview, you know, I guess technically they can now, but um, I don't think, I don't think the Falcons are worried about anyone just like bolting. Like they're, they're really looking at like the top guys. And I don't think any of these top guys are like worried that a team's going to pull their offer if they don't just like immediately agree to it. 
Like, the enemy's oh, not going to be like, oh, yeah. The Jets call him, like, okay, if you don't take, this is an exploding offer, the enemy. If you don't take it, he'll be like, okay, bye. Like, <laughs> no, I'm sure if the Jets call, he'll, he'll just hang up either way. Um, but uh, the last time this team uh, jumped the gun and, you know, panic hired someone, we ended up with Dirk Cutter <laughs> as our offensive coordinator. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, well, one interesting thing about Dobble, and this doesn't matter at all, but it's just like, it's just a fascinating, like, uh, way of, like, how everything is just, like, uh, comes in a circle, mm-hmm. is Brian Dobble, before he was the Bills head coach, or the uh, Bills OC, he was the OC at uh, the University of Alabama, and what ended up giving him that spot was the Falcons hiring Steve Sarkeesian from uh, Alabama to be our offensive coordinator after Shanahan left. So that left a vacated spot. Dable went uh, over there. I still don't know if it's Dable or Dobble. I'm just going to, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out if he becomes our head coach. Um, after after spending a couple of years at Alabama, he ends up in Buffalo, and he's really showcased himself, like, with the Bills. So now he has a chance to come back, come to Atlanta to be the head coach, which is who the Falcons are who gave him that vacated spot in Alabama to be the OC and to prove himself for the NFL. Yeah, you, you guys got to keep in mind, you know, this man has coaching experience under Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, so yeah. he's he's got he's got some knowledge when it comes to that aspect. I mean, he's never put on the cap as far as head coach, but right? To put under those guys, and he's won championship with with both of them. You know, this that he, that's a that's a pedigree that he can bring to the Falcons locker room that they haven't had. In a while, a yeah. long time. Yeah. That's a that's a championship pedigree mm-hmm. that this can, can feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, one one connection that I just wanted to mention on Rick Smith is in 2008 he um, joined the NFL's competition committee, which Rich McKay's obviously been, I think, the president of for years. So they're very familiar with each yeah. other. Yeah. I don't know how much his influence will be, you know, in getting Rick Smith the job, but. I like Lewis Riddick, but also I think Rick Smith would be an ideal candidate just because of the experience. And, you know, already knowing Rich McKay, he's not going to walk on eggshells around him. Um, so, yeah. just a little connection there. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the guy that I would say is the odds-on favorite for this team. Um, I And, like, Aaron Wilson saying he would put money on it, it, it makes me pretty confident. Like, I, I think that if they want Rick Smith – they're going to interview a few guys after the season ends. And I think we can see Rick Smith hire before, like by the end of next week, I think we can see Rick Smith is. They're going to, they're going to do their, their due diligence. Yeah. They're going to yeah. wait for over, interview a couple guys here and there and say, all right, you know what? No one has really blown us away like Rick Smith. So let's yeah. Just go. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's honestly, I would not be shocked at all if by the end of next week, Rick Smith is the GM. Um, like, I think they're going to do some interviews next week. Um, you know, they're going to talk to some guys, they're going to get everyone they want in here. And I think, I think they pretty much know who they want, but it's always good to have these interviews and talk to everyone before you officially make the decision. And I think with the virtual meetings too, like they can probably squeeze in, you know, one guy a day and have their four or five candidates all taken care of by the end of next week. So they they have interviewed Reddit. They have. Have, Yeah. Okay. I, I, well, actually, I don't know. I know they have talked to Smith. I don't know about Riddick. I know they were interested. Yes, they were I interested. I can't. I can't recall seeing anything saying that they did actually interview. I mean, I know. I know Detroit did. Jacksonville did. 
Yeah, Jacksonville did. I don't. Yeah, th- the Falcons haven't. As far as I know, some private. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's yeah. I I don't think they've officially interviewed him yet, but I know that they they will. I suspect we'll see him and Fontenot and what Ed Dodds was the other one maybe that we heard. It, that's that's what I'm confused. The two teams already interviewed him, right? And if they're interested in him, right? If they're serious about him, I don't know why they haven't talked to him. But um, waiting for the season to interview. That could be another sign that they're just pretty in on Rick Smith. I don't know, but we we will see. We will see. Um, but, yeah, we got uh, a couple donations here. We got George Costanza in here with the $5, brother. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you. Uh, I remember this. I remember this message. Six weeks ago, George called Chase Young overhyped. Yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, I remember. We, we told you maybe to cool off a little bit. So, you know, that, that takes, you know, takes, a, takes, a, takes some, you know, some strength to be able to admit when you're wrong, so we appreciate that. George says that Lincoln Riley's still his first choice, but he thinks Dallas is going to offer him more after they fire Mr. Analytics Mike McCarthy. Look, uh, look, look George, <laughs> I've been trying to, to pound that drum for a while. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're interested in college coaches. I was a Lincoln Riley guy last year, and I, I came to the conclusion, like, man, they're not even going to sniff his way. Just... Oh, yeah, no chance. Too young, too college yeah. 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 So fair or not, that that's kind of how it is there. But uh, George also says that he'd prefer Arthur Smith over B enemy. He thinks Mahomes could make even Bill O'Brien look brilliant. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. like I know, I, I like B enemy. I think is a really good offensive coordinator. I think he he does call the plays. I think they've made it clear that he does. Um, and I think the fact that he's so respected by Andy Reid and by the players on that team makes me think that I don't need to worry about the fact that Mahomes is like making him look good. But if you prefer Smith over him because you like Smith's scheme better, I think that's totally fair. Um, you know, Arthur Smith's scheme has been very good. I mean, they struggled in in the snow game against Green Bay this week. Um, and, you know, that wasn't a great game for him. But we've also seen that team look just incredibly, incredibly creative. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with Arthur Smith over Eric Bieniemy if that's your preference, uh, certainly. So um, we also have a donation from... Well, go ahead, Eric. If you have something to say, I I, I don't like I don't like that when it comes to being enemy because listen, no one knew how good Patrick Mahomes was going to be. Yeah, and I think I think the pairing was ideal to have an up and coming play caller along with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, and it just meshed that well. I can understand if Eric Bieniemy was signed was you know came onto the team late after you know Mahomes was already good, but no one knew how good he was going to be. So to sit here and, and say that he, you know, Mahomes' play is, uh, you know, elevating his status as a play call, I think that's a little unfair, man. Yeah, it is. It's like it's like you don't punish the guy for having a great quarterback. Like, that's right. that's not fair to him. Um, right. You know, it, it punish him for having a bad offense with a great quarterback, a la Dirk Cutter. <laughs> but don't do it the other way around. Like, uh, so, yeah, I, I agree there. Um so we got a couple other donations now that we, uh, are we, are we ready to pivot to some draft talk here? Or do you guys want to have any more takes about, uh, yeah, you guys ready for some draft talk? All right. So from, from draft season, it has, it has, but you know, I got to get the clickbait titles in here, Eric, you know, so. <laughs> 
you know, you got to put draft in the title. It's a big deal. Uh, so, yeah, from, from Sunday, we have the Practical Broker with a $5. So, brother, we appreciate you. Don't know if you're tuning in tonight, but uh, your dono came in after the show closed, so I apologize about that. But we appreciate the money, and we appreciate your support, seriously. So, um, hope you're listening. But he says, if we stay at number three or number four, uh, come on, Carolina, because Carolina hadn't won the game yet, um, wh- what could we reasonably get to trade back, you know, several spots? Um a shit ton. Well, it depends. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how far. Like he said, three, five, or seven spots. I mean, if you're trading out of the top ten from three or four, you're getting a future first plus probably a second or third. Um, uh, I think even if you go back like five spots, the price is probably going to be like a first rounder. Yeah. Because yeah. going from three or from four to nine isn't the same as going from 24 to 29. Yeah, that's true. Like I, I remember it was a... Uh, Literally, I think a nine to four trade was the Bills moving up for Sammy Watkins like years and years ago, and they had to give up a, a first rounder next year to go get him. Mm-hmm. So I think if if we're trading back, I think minimum we should, like first round pick. Yeah, unless I we're mean, going back like a spot, right? Like, I, yeah, that minimum for minimum for me is a first and second. I mean, yeah, like, I'm not super interested in trade. I mean, maybe you could talk me into, like, trading down to, like, seven or something. If they're at four and, some and like, it's, like, uh, you know, I don't know who would be at seven. But, like, Denver is picking at seven or eight or something. The Falcons are at four. And they want to trade up for a quarterback. Like, Give me your first. I'll take your first next year. I would year. take your first next year. I mean, I would, like, if a team had two seconds this year, I might consider that, too, if they were, like, decent seconds. Right. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, it... it but, but I, yeah, it, I think that's where you start, though. Like, I think you want at least a second. Yeah, and if you're, if yeah. You're talking. If you're talking going trading back out of the top ten period to just to have a conversation with me. I need a first and a second for next year, at the yeah. very least. Mm-hmm. We can talk about picks this year, but yeah. I need at least a first and a second for next year. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I agree with you there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Falcons are looking for a future first if they're going to make some sort of move like that. And that would be them kind of saying that they're not taking a quarterback or they're hoping. Like, if they trade out of the top ten, they're they're not getting one of these top guys. So they're pro- they're saying that they're going to try to just roll with Ryan, which is fine. Um, so, you know, that but that has to be the move. It's either you take a quarterback or you trade down. I don't think you'd stand pat and take anything other than a quarterback if they're still picking him, like, three or four after this week um that's my take on that but uh we also have michael zurich with the one dollar brother thank you we appreciate your support um so he says i have to be straight if the falcons are going to draft a quarterback which i don't really like sorry adnan (laughs) he says it needs to be zach wilson other than trevor lawrence he is the most complete package extremely accurate top tier pocket mobility decent arm no ego um I mean, there are certainly some that would tell you that Zach Wilson is QB2 now. Um, you know, Zach Wilson's had an excellent season. So that that helps him gain ground on someone like Trey Lance, who I think would clearly have... I, I think if Trey Lance played a full season, he'd probably be ahead of Zach Wilson. But look, he, he didn't get to play a whole season, and now he's been out of football for a whole year. We only got to see one, you know, solid game from him, but not spectacular. Um and, like, Fields is coming off a really bad game. So, obviously, Fields is going to get dinged, especially from recency bias for having a bad game. And, like, honestly, I don't think he's going to have a great game against Clemson either. Like, Clemson's defense is no joke. So, I think he's going to struggle against Clemson. So, um, 
But I would tell you not to scout a quarterback on their worst games or their best games. You should scout them on their bread on their body of work. Um, and I'm not a quarterback expert. It's probably the position I'm like the least comfortable scouting. But enough people I trust have have Justin Fields as QB two, even with his struggles. That I still view him that way. Um, so I, I'd still go with Justin Fields. I think the upside is pretty ridiculous. I think he's shown enough to to be that kind of elite quarterback prospect. And athletically, he's head and shoulders above Zach Wilson. Um, they both have great arms. Zach Wilson, more polished passer, certainly. But Justin Fields is an elite athlete, um, and you can't teach that. You can you can polish up Justin Fields' passing. You can't teach his athleticism, and it's it's pretty ridiculous. So um, you guys want to weigh in on, on the, the quarterback debate here, anybody? Man, you know what? As the weeks grow and mount, Man, I'm, I'm really starting to become more and more of a Zach Wilson fan. He's made it really hard to ignore him, that's for sure. Really starting starting – he's starting to grow on me, man. You know, uh, I like what Fields has to offer because, of course, Fields brings the size and athleticism to the position. Um, but, man, Wilson – Wilson seems like a natural when he throws, man. It, he's it a just, great passer. He just pops out of his head. Um, and, and I don't, please, I'm not comparing him to, to Mahomes, but from the aspect of like throwing power and throwing accuracy, whew, he, dude, he can make any throw and he can make it, he can, he can put it there, dude. I'm, I'm telling you. It's, yeah. The one thing that concerns me, he's listed as what, 6'3", 210? He's a little I, thin. Yeah, I think I think that's a lie. I don't think he's six three. No, he's a little thin, a little short. I mean, yeah, he's a little short. I I think he's probably barely six feet. He he's six three on Tinder. Six <laughs> three there. Yeah, he's yeah. not six three. I can't see that. But yeah, and he he's starting to grow, man. If the Falcons wanted, if the Falcons wanted to stay in the top five and take a QB, I, that might be my guy. I still yeah. I mean, I I think Wilson is the most likely of all the quarterbacks to be available for Atlanta at, at four, if that's where they end up picking. Um, you know, I think Fields is probably still going to go second overall because these these orgs do what I said. They, they don't scout. They scout the breadth of the career. And look, Justin Fields, 2019, was elite. I mean, it was crazy. Um, he's had some great games this year, and he has had some not-so-great games. And, like, it's, it's really called attention to some of his deficiencies like I think he's a little slow with his reads I think he's a little bit gun shy sometimes but those are things you can teach like and look at Josh Allen like Josh Allen was a terrible college quarterback I know someone was like everyone missed on Josh Allen no people didn't miss on miss on Josh Allen Josh Allen's eval was he was a bad college quarterback don't draft him high and the Bills took a huge gamble and it paid off and sometimes that happens like sometimes you really can coach a guy up and, and it works out for you. But most of the time, it doesn't. <laughs> so I wouldn't go using Josh Allen as some sort of example of why you should swing all the time on these like guys that suck in college and just all of a sudden become good NFL quarterbacks. It's extremely rare. Um, that being said, you, you have to be a little bit more... You do need to be forward-thinking. Like, the Josh Allen example, like he did have the tools. 
he had the athletic ability and the arm and all these things that you can't teach. And the Bills were like, look, we think we can coach this guy up. We think we can get him make making better decisions and we can clean up his throwing motion. We can do all these things and help him be a better quarterback. And they did. Kudos to them. They did a great job. Um, I Justin Fields is nowhere near as far off as Josh Allen was as a college quarterback. Josh Allen was a goddamn disaster. <laughs> I mean, that guy... I mean, he was awful at times. Like, Wyoming was a bad... Like, they had a losing record with Josh Allen. He got drafted in the first round. So, um, Justin Fields is way further along than Josh Allen. But it just depends on what kind of quarterback you want, I think. And if you want the dual threat guy, you're going to want Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And it depends a lot on the offense, right? So, if if the enemy comes in here or Arthur Smith comes in here and they really want that dual threat quarterback, the guy that can really threaten with his legs, they're going to prefer one of those guys over Zach Wilson, even though Zach Wilson has the best tape of any quarterback other than Trevor Lawrence this year. Um, Because it's about what you want this quarterback to do, not in his rookie year, but over the course of his career. If they want a pocket passer who does have pretty good mobility, like I think Zach Wilson does have pretty good mobility. Um, He's not like a statue. He's not Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask is like Tim Tebow, man. That dude is like a, a like he he can he can take a sneak for a touchdown, and he does, but he he can't move, man. That dude's a statue. So he also, he also threw three first quarter interceptions. Well, in his last game. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, uh, I don't get the Trask hype, honestly. Like I, I don't. Um, but I, I, but more as a developmental guy. Like, yeah, not, I think he's a backup, um, or like a. I don't. I don't now, know. I like him. If he if he has to sit for two years, yeah, I like him. Yeah, but you don't take that in the first round. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so like, if you like Zach Wilson, great. I think he makes a lot of sense for a lot of schemes. Um, he's a more polished passer. But I think if with the knowledge that you're gonna be sitting a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance for at least a year before they have to play, I think the scales do tip a little bit more towards these guys that have this incredible athletic talent. And Trey Lance is a better pass than people give him credit for. I know his level of competition wasn't great, but there's a lot to like from his film in terms of the things that he does uh, and the way he makes his reads. But I think Zach Wilson will appeal a lot to teams that want to get the quarterback in the game immediately, uh, that want him to start from year one. Um, And like, I don't think that's ever a bad thing to take. So if you're talking about preference it probably comes down to the head coach um because i think all these guys have traits that you want i don't really think anyone's taking trey lance over justin fields even if he has a bad game against clemson too but um you know trey or like justin fields versus zach wilson i think that's a worthy debate and that's what we're talking about here um so are are you basically are you are you saying eric that you're 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 for wilson over fields at this point i know we're putting you on the spot here i know but <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard because right now I can say no, but at the same time, I feel that Zach Wilson is going to test out of this world before the draft. And I would not be surprised if draft night he's the second quarterback selected. selected. Yeah. I, it, it's it's kind of tough right now. It is. It's tough. They both bring some, you know, different things to the table, but. Right, I don't know. Right now, man, honestly, if I had to make a decision, then I, I, I would say, yeah, Zach Wilson is probably my, my QB two right now. Okay. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. Like we gotta get you know we gotta get the takes out there. I appreciate that. Did uh, Adnan or, or Evan, you guys want to weigh in at all on the? Uh, I just think it's it's fair if you value Wilson as your number two over Fields. I think it depends on uh, coaching preference because Lawrence is obviously number one. He's gonna go number one. Um, but then beyond that, it's like you. Uh, it's it, it's tough to tell. They're like they're both so close uh, to they can they're pretty much two A and two B at this point. And then you know you have Lance uh, coming in at number four. So I think we're in a good spot to be able to. I I don't think Miami is going to go quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just dropped a Tua last year, so we'll be in a good spot to be able to uh, grab uh, either one of those two guys or to be able to leverage. Uh, one of those two guys for a trade back. Yeah, but it's it's important that we uh, uh, how do I say this? Hold on to that uh, number four draft spot. This, yeah, this Sunday. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that to close out the show too. But uh, Evan, did you have a take there on on, the, on that quarterback discussion? Um, I I don't like. I'm not confident enough in any of them. I guess Wilson probably more than any of them, but. Uh, I'm kind of leaning more towards the trade back, which isn't going to happen. But, like, my dream is um, Arthur Smith to come in. And then if they want to go, like, defense, that's fine. And then maybe take, like, a Mac Jones later on. I'd prefer that route right now. But there's so much time for things to change. Um, I did want to come up with, like, a little scenario just because I'm curious what your guys' thoughts would be. Obviously, Lawrence goes one, but... Between, you know, now and the combine um, in pro days or whatever, um, let's pretend that Lawrence is still one, but Lance, for some reason, drops to, like, round three or four, um, and Fields is, like, round two, but Wilson's still pretty much where he's at. Would you still take Wilson, or would you want to take Fields, like, in round two? Um, and go somebody else around one or take Lance in round three. Not to get confusing, but hopefully you guys are sticking with me there. Yeah. Um, Lance in round three and then take two players ahead. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess to me, like. Like, how I want to see how confident you guys are currently. Obviously, there's a lot of time still between now and uh, the, the NFL draft, but how confident you guys are in these certain quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm confident in all four quarterbacks with that top five pick. I, I'd be happy with any one of them. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the clear one. I think he's an elite generational prospect. I think Justin Fields is really good. He's still my quarterback, too. Um, and I think Zach Wilson has really made a case for number three, but I, I really like Trey Lance, too. I had Trey Lance ahead of Wilson before his great season, so... I, I am confident in all four of those guys. They're not all going to work out, but that probably has more to do with the team they go to than people want to admit. I think they're all quality quarterbacks that would be franchise guys in Atlanta. So I'm, I'd be happy with all of them in round one. Um, now, if I could get them later, and like if I thought I could reasonably get one of them in the second round, yeah, sure. But, uh, oh. yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Like, you know, if you're giving me Fields in round two or Wilson in round one, then, yeah, I'm, I'm going Fields round two. Uh, but it, it's not as simple as that because I, I think it depends on the coaching staff and also like 
if the coach, like in the GM, like they know they're like Wilson is our guy, then you go get him. Yeah, like, you go get your if guy. Wilson is there and he's your guy, you you take him, you pull the trigger on him, and you know that'll depend on the combine. That'll depend on you know who the new head coach is, what what they think of uh, of Zach Wilson, how he tests out, like the interview process as well, stuff that. Well, we can't know what's like in their heads and like evaluating these guys. So, you know, it all depends on like, you know, it's like that terrible movie draft day. Um, <laughs> you know, um, what is a Vernon Mack, no matter what, like when he just like wrote it down on like um, on the like piece of paper. So it's like if it's Wilson, it's like Zach Wilson, no matter what, go get him. Yeah. Uh, awful movie, by the way, very dramatized. That shit would never happen in real life. No, it's, it's crazy. Do you have a take on that one, Eric? I actually like Draft Day. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. It was a good drama movie. It's just like as a football <laughs> fan, like having watched and covered so many drafts, I'm over here like, oh, this is like, ridiculous. are you kidding yeah. me? Like, yeah. There's no way. Oh, yeah, this like the, the this young GM is panicking <laughs> because this quarterback is falling down like the draft board. Like, come on. <laughs> a GM is not going to pick a quarterback because his teammates didn't go to his birthday. Look, I'm going to do what's best for the team, okay? I'm sorry. This is off topic. Can we just talk about, like, just his mom on, like, the busiest day of the year just – decides to make a stand like on that day yep. and like uh, bring everyone out onto the field like you couldn't have waited a week right yeah weird very weird i mean the movie's like it's it's a it's like a, a decent like movie if you know nothing about the draft if you know about the draft you're just gonna be yelling at your screen it's gonna be like that meme from uh once upon a time in hollywood where he's just like oh look at <laughs> he's just pointing at the screen yeah so uh yeah the, the thing that bothered me the most was the owner who wanted to go out with the jersey like no, no, no owners go out on the stage with a jersey to like <laughs> hand to their new player. Yeah, like it's just the commissioner. Yep. Yeah. I guess, I guess the only accurate thing in that movie was the fact that you know <laughs> Costner didn't have he had no clue who he was going to take. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely know. Yeah. If you don't know going into draft night, like what, what are you doing? The yeah. The day of the draft. Like, yeah. G- GMs actually do wake up the day of the draft. I'm like, all right, who the hell am I going to take? <laughs> yeah, that's that's not great. Yeah, also, one more thing: like, if the owner is telling you you you're going to take this guy, and he to the point where he's like making him a jersey, a custom jersey, like that that guy is getting taken. That guy's like, the owner. The, there is no GM who's just going to like. Go you know, rogue, like, yeah. no, like you know, go rogue. Yeah, you know, like you said, like that that doesn't happen. No, it's yeah. usually the other way around. It's like you are taking Dwayne Haskins, and you're gonna, and you're gonna like it. That's what happened with Washington. So the, the worst part is we never actually find out in this fictional NFL world, like if the, if he was a genius or it'd be like <laughs> watching the Lord of the Rings, and they get spoiler, they get to the end with the ring. And then it just ends. And then and it it's just like, ends. well, it's like, oh, okay. Maybe the journey was worth it. Tune in next time. That's what I want to know. It turns out he was a uh, pro football Hall of Fame quarterback, played for 20 years. Um. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, uh, he was he ended up drafting Jadavion Clowney. Like, really? Like, wait a minute. Hold on. That's what happened? <laughs> he passed up a Hall of Fame quarterback for, oh, man, that's kind of, that sucks. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. He, Going back to Evans, yeah, I have confidence in all four of these guys. I think all four of these guys are going to be probably selected in the top 12 at worst. Um, 
there are, of course, you know, you had to be Trevor Lawrence. He's, he's as about of a sure bet as Andrew Luck was. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Wilson, I think he has the potential to be a really, really good quarterback. And, and I, I just – I don't want to compare him to Mahomes, but I see certain traits here and there of Mahomes. I think he can have that type of impact mm-hmm. where he can come in and he can do that type of passer. Um, Fields – Bills need some seasoning, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think Lance needs to sit about two years. I'm not I'm not sold on Lance like Kevin is. I think a lot of people are really putting in too much stock in what, what he did last year. What he had like thirty eight touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah, I mean I don't think that's gonna happen again, but he could yeah. throw ten interceptions and that would still be a good season. So. Right. Yeah. But I there I think people are putting too much value in that season. Like, come on, man, that's a that's a it was a crazy season, but yeah. Yeah. But I, I have confidence in all four. That I have confidence that all four would be first rounders. I don't know if all four are going to pan out. It rarely happens that way, right? Yeah. Well, some four first round quarterbacks have all actually been like. <laughs> I'm not talking all the famers, but no, they've all been like good. Smart. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been rare. Um, but like again, I think that has a lot to do with where they go more than anything. So maybe '84. That maybe. That, yeah. We draft class. Yeah, yeah. You you can at least say with you know in what was it two thousand three with with Eli and Ben and Philip Rivers. That yeah, was, I mean, yeah, that was one. Yeah, it just doesn't happen that often. So, um, yeah. but yeah. All right, so we got some donations and and questions here to get before we we close out the show. So George Costanza with another five dollars, brother. Show benefactor George Costanza. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, so he says, if big if the Jets take Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, Atlanta can get a King's ransom in the Sewell sweepstakes. We would get a first and a second plus an additional first next year. Uh, Sewell looks like Chris Samuels. Otherwise, take Chase, Jamar Chase. <laughs> Winky face. I am on yeah. the Jamar Chase yeah. hype train, yeah. but um. No, uh, it depends on if Miami picks in front of us, but yeah. it's you're gonna get a sweet, you're gonna get like a lot either way because it's gonna be Sewell or the remaining between uh, Fields and uh, Wilson. And Wilson. Yeah, so you're gonna get a lot either way. Yeah, somebody tell me on Sewell, man. I, I don't, I don't see. It. I mean, I think he's really good, but I mean, I don't see him as a prospect for the Falcons. Like, see how it works out for the Falcons. No, I mean, I it would be more that like the Bengals want to trade up for him or something. He'd be a franchise guy. Yeah, but I don't. How does it work out for the Falcons? I don't. I personally don't get it at all for the Falcons. I mean, I, I think McGarry's been fine. I think Jake Matthews is very good. I so I don't agree with taking a guard in the top five unless it's Quentin Nelson. And, yeah, like, uh, I mean, you're I, you're probably moving like Jake Matthews or. It has to be Jake Matthews to guard because Caleb McGarry can't play guard. He's six seven. He's never played guard. <laughs> I know. Matthews, it would be dumb. Matthews, yeah. Yeah. Matthews is six six. Like I, yeah. I don't. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, it doesn't no, make a lot in, of sense. In, in fairness, it's. Uh, I don't think George is saying for us to take Sewell. I think he's saying for us to. Yeah, trade he's back he's saying for us to trade back. Team. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants yeah. Sewell? Yes. Yeah, so like the Bengals at six would be an obvious one, but there's a lot. Like there's a lot of teams that would be really interested in getting Sewell. There are some that is that are starting to build that hype up a little bit yeah i don't i don't get it i don't i don't get it either but it's to me and and man this is a perfect time for keenan to be on (laughs) right yeah i don't not every offensive tackle can convert to guard no look at matt gono i mean i'm not saying he can't ever do it but like they tried to just switch him to guard this week and like he especially if you 
played it. Yeah. Blake Matthews has never played guard. He yeah. played right tackle for three years mm-hmm. at Texas A&M. Then he moved to left tackle his last year. He's never played guard. Yeah. Same with McGeary. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't get it either, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think if, if Sewell's still on the board and the Falcons are picking at four still, that's one possible trade down. Um, you know, I think – the, I think you're probably getting more for a quarterback trade down, honestly. Um, so it's probably, if someone's really giving you a ransom, it's probably going to, you know, outsell whoever is trading for Sewell. But I do think Sewell is someone that could be traded up for as well. So that's something important to... I doubt we're getting a future first from the Bengals at six. If we're, like, trading down from four to six with the Bengals, we're not yeah. getting a future first. We might get, like, a third to move down a couple well, spots. Also, but... Looking at this team, how can anyone... Because, you know, I, I've said, let's take Parsons if he's there just because he's an impact defender and he can, you know, he can, he can be that type of guy from day one. But I don't see how anyone can look at this team and say no to Parsons, but say yes to Sewell. Yeah. I mean, like Parsons is not a position of need, but like you can get him on the field with the pieces the Falcons have. Like you can play him at edge. You can make him your Sam. You can rotate him in, in certain packages. Like he's not a need, but I I think his presence makes Deion Jones a better linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't get how, and at least to me, that is a transition you can make. You can put Parsons at Mike, slide Deion Jones to more of the natural will spot, and then have Foyer at strong side linebacker. I, I just yeah, yeah. that's easier. That's easier to pull off than having yeah. Grafton school and saying yeah, hey. no. I mean, you're better off like trading back into the teens for for like the with the page with the Patriots and taking Wyatt Davis and picking up a future first and like a second and a third. Like, guard. right, you're better off doing that, I think, than taking Sewell at four. But I know that's not what George was was saying. He was talking about the trade. But, yeah, just for those saying that we should take real, Sewell at four. Real quick, another question for you guys. I know we're going we're gonna to close out real soon, but real, real quickly. Anybody foresee a team that's going to trade in the top ten for a quarterback? Do I foresee a team? I mean, the Patriots, the, the 49ers, I think both of them uh, could. The Vikings could. Um, the Broncos. I think the Vikings, too. Like a real – you got to realistically happen on draft night. Yes. Might, there was a team. There was a team that you would say outside of the top ten to make a splash. Patriots oh, or Forty Nine ers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like either of those teams, they would like they would pay a lot because you know their defenses are like set up already. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the Patriots generally don't do stuff like that, but I think that they could because they've never been in a situation like that this before. And then the Forty Nine ers. Like they have no dead money on on Garoppolo's contract. Like if they if they think they can pull off a trade to get their to get Kyle Shanahan's guy, like say Zach Wilson does go and Justin Fields is on the on the board, um, I think Shanahan would love to get his hands on Fields. So, um, you know, yeah, allegedly the Forty ers do want Wilson as well. Um, that's that's been the buzz. So like I think either way the Forty ers might really be interested in that sort of trade up. The the relationship is there between the two teams. So. That's that's one I would watch, but I, I certainly think it's possible we could see something crazy like that. But that would mean the Falcons aren't getting a quarterback. Because, um, I mean, I think the 49ers are going to be picking, what, like 12th or 13th at they're the highest? 13. Yeah, so, um, like, if they lose, they're probably maybe picking 12th or 13th. So, like, uh, I just don't. I They probably aren't getting Lance at that point. Um, so, you know, maybe it's I, maybe that's fine. I mean, I think you're getting tremendous value in terms of your picks, and you're probably still getting an impact defender there, um, and you're probably getting a future first and a second and that sort of thing. So that's always nice too. But um, you're passing on quarterback with a trade down that large. Um, so we've got another 
One dollar from George Costanza <laughs> saying we should sign Dwayne Haskins. Ohio State quarterbacks are interchangeable. Also, we should go Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase at three, right, Eric? <laughs> He's just trolling you, buddy. He just mm-hmm. he just knows he, he triggered you with the Jamar I'm Chase talk. Right? I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> He's signing off. Like I'd rather have Pitts, but like not at three. Maybe at like eight. If we were if we end up winning, which would be really someone stupid. Did, but. Someone did come to me on Twitter about that last week about taking pits, and they were serious about <laughs> taking pits. I mean, maybe maybe after a trade down into the teens. Not even a trade down. Are you serious? <laughs> it depends on who's on the board. I mean, no, no. say like Pay and Rousseau and Farley no. and no. you know Sertan are all gone. No. Obviously Parsons is gone. You know, like no. I'll have that conversation. No, I'm just kidding. It would no. be really hard. It would be really hard to make that work. Um, so, uh, we also have a question from Srikar Durgam. Um, pretty cool name. $5. Thank you. Thank you, brother. We appreciate your support. So, he says, Hi, great show. I'm an analytics student and avid Falcons fan. Recently, I discovered football analytics. I'm looking for a suggestion for something we can look at from the Falcons' perspective. It would be awesome to get some ideas from you guys. Thanks. Okay, so I would recommend you go look at um, Ben Baldwin's stuff on Twitter. He's at Ben B. Baldwin, I think, is his Twitter handle. He is the guy I look at for all my analytics stuff. He's a really, he's one of the leaders in that field. He does write stuff about all teams. So that's that's where I would start if you're getting into football analytics. He's good at explaining it and breaking it down. Um I uh, just watch what Derek Cutter does and <laughs> do the, the opposite. opposite. Yeah, I mean, we've done some articles about it on the site, Um, so you can check out some of our work there. Um, so, yeah, I, I would start with Ben B. Baldwin. That's that's the guy I would look at, first of all. I don't know if you guys have any other stuff you'd recommend for him. Um, I usually, for my stuff, I usually go to Football Outsiders. Yeah, yeah. FO is um, good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my main site that I go to to get analytics. Uh, analytics stuff. Uh, PFF is good, but you know, of course, if you don't want to pay a subscription, <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think some people take issue with their grades. Like, don't use them as like gospel. Use them as like one measure, and you'll be a lot happier. So <laughs> they're good, but like they're not perfect. So sometimes you know they don't grade guys right. It's fine, but you know, use them as one measure to evaluate players, not the only measure. So. Um, but yeah, guys, we're over an hour and a half, so we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up. Thank you. I know there's a bunch of questions we missed. I apologize. Uh, we just we had to get off on we had to get those draft day takes off. So uh, <laughs> I apologize. But we got a long off season. We're going to get to all your draft questions going forward. Um, and also, guys, um, we uh, are going to be doing our first. Uh, exclusive patron Q&A in January, probably like mid-January. So if you're interested, if you have a lot of draft questions, we're gonna it's like a 30-minute show where we're going to just take our patrons' questions the whole show. So if you got burning questions, sign up for the Patreon, get in there, um, and we will answer all your questions for 30 minutes, guys. So um, if that's something you're really interested in, uh, we encourage you to do that. Maybe you just want to support us too. That's fine. You can also you know look at the Patreon for that. Uh, you can follow the show at Falcoholic Live on Twitter. We're closing in on 1,000 followers. We need like 30 more. So if you guys want to help me out and just make me feel better, you know, help us out there. Um, but otherwise, guys, uh, we're going to give our folks a chance to plug their stuff before we sign off. So uh, Evan Birchfield, 
first of all, at Evan Birchfield on Twitter. Evan, uh, anything you're working on you want to let the people know about? Um, just read all of our great content at thefalcolic.com. Um, I do the daily injury reports. Um, yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. And uh, appreciate you all watching us this year. This is the final show of 2020. Yeah. So uh, hopefully you're safe uh celebrating the new year and uh hopefully it's a great year for everybody yeah yeah definitely guys uh certainly do appreciate you also with us tonight eric robinson he is on twitter at underscore eric underscore robinson eric anything you're working on you would like to plug uh yeah be on the lookout this week for my week 17 preview for the uh Season finale against the Bucks, and also I will definitely be working on uh, my first mock draft that will probably drop sometime next week as well. Be on the lookout for that. Oh man, like I haven't said, man, just head over to the Falcons. It's a one-stop shop for everything. Yep, yep, yeah. We got all kinds of tremendous content going on there. Uh, I think Adnan had to leave. Adnan, are you there? Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, I think I think Adnan yeah, had to go. Left. Yeah, so I will shout out Adnan for him. He is on Twitter at Say Which Way, our resident Matt Ryan hater. Um, but uh, yeah, Adnan, Adnan's got like awesome stuff um, coming out. I know he's got some articles coming this week. I forget he does a couple of weekly columns. Then he has his own stuff that he he comes out with too. So look for his stuff on the site and like I said on Twitter at Say Which Way uh, and. I am Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Um, you guys can check out my Week 17 mock draft. That's going to be coming out tomorrow on the site. Uh, you can check out our other great video content here on our YouTube channel. I just did one uh, breaking down Dirk Cutter's very bad, no good, awful game against the Chiefs. Literally the first drive. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to have to watch you know a little bit. I'm going to pick some plays out. No, I was like, oh. This first drive, all right, that literally has everything I want to talk about in this one first opening drive. So, um, so yeah, check that out. That you know, if you if you liked the Dirk Cutter slander, I know you guys do. Uh, so check that out. But uh, otherwise, guys, like like Evan said, this is the last show of 2020. It's been a great year. Um, we really appreciate everyone for tuning in. Um, you know, I think the YouTube channel had about 1,200 followers or so uh, before the season. And we have 2,200 closing in on now uh, after just one season. So a 1,000 of you have joined us in the past few months. So we just really, really appreciate that support. Um, you know, those of you that donate, those of you that have joined the Patreon, I mean, those of you that just come in and chat every single show and, and, and watch us, we appreciate all of you guys. It's been a really great year for the show. You know, outside of the show, it's been pretty shitty. But, you know, at least the show's been good. At least the show's been good. So we have that. Um, and we're, we're just looking forward to another uh fun off season with you guys we're gonna have um you know with with the viewership that we have we usually go down to one show every other week in the the off season but look i mean if you guys want one show a week we will consider doing you know one show a week if if you guys are going to tune in um so let us know if that's what you want Um, i'm going to keep doing video content i know eric wants to get in on some of these film reviews and i'm i think i'm honing in on a way to make that happen so we'll, we'll try to get that going as well we'll be doing some draft stuff um, prospect stuff, all kinds of fun things this off season. So there's going to be stuff there. Um, so thank you again, guys. We will see you uh, on Sunday for the final post game show of the season. 
Uh, we didn't talk about the game, but you know, I'm picking the Falcons to win. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm picking oh, the really? Falcons to win against the Bucks. I know we forgot something. Yeah, yeah, you know, but no one cares. <laughs> no one even asked about the game. I mean, no one cares. But I'm picking. I'm picking the Falcons in this game because whenever I pick them, they always lose. So it's the kiss of death. Um, so I'm protecting the tank by having confidence in the Falcons. Um, so I'm doing my part, but. Uh, yeah, mm. it, it'll it'll be an interesting game. Uh, we'll see if the Falcons can can pull off an upset, or if we're going to be picking, you know, fourth or third, come the draft. But I know some people are saying the Falcons could fall as far as eleventh. Tenth is the absolute floor, and in reality, the real floor is probably ninth. And in more likely reality, it's probably like seven or eight because some of those teams that are five and ten are going to win. Like almost every team picking behind the Falcons has a winnable game this week. Um, so, I mean, some of those teams are, are probably going to win. Um, so, you know, worst case scenario, this team is picking in the later half of the top five, best case it's third. Most likely they're probably picking where they are right now, which is fourth. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, and, and we'll go from there, but, uh, we will talk to you guys on Sunday after the game. Enjoy your new year's guys. Uh, and we will see you on Sunday for the post. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.